Who the bloody hell's that? Should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Hello and welcome to chapter 51 of the Corona Diaries. And as promised, we're back with uh, Gillian Sue because we only got so far in the Steve H backstory last time. Here's the first question, because we've talked a bit in a podcast fairly recently, because we, we, we're going through the start of the Merlin years at the moment, and we talked a little bit about the fact that he was that close to moving back up north, mm-hmm. or at least part way back up north, and just saying, that's it, not interested, yeah. going to be a milkman or whatever yeah. it, whatever it yeah. was. Is that something that the rest of the family knew about? Was that an ongoing conversation or, or you know, had he kind of said, oh, you know what, I've, I've had enough, it's not, it's not going to work? I don't think he would ever have dared dangle that temptation in front of my mother. No. Right. Do no, you? no, probably not. But we knew, didn't we? Because were you living down in London then? I, I was, yeah, I was down in London by then. Um <coughs> And yeah, it was, it was a, it was a weird time, because he'd done the thing. I remember when they went. He, he moved down with with Harlow when Harlow were down there, mm. and I remember when the lads of Harlow decided that they wanted to break the band up, and he was absolutely distraught when he that was, happened. Yeah, he he was, was so upset about yeah. that because he didn't see it coming, and then he joined the Europeans. Mm. And then, and that was a weird thing because I was living in London then as well, and I, I used to go to the European gig, the Europeans gigs, and they were really quite well known in London. Yeah, yeah there was, they were great. They, they used to have quite a following. Yeah. And um, and then, I, mean, I, I can't remember all the ins and outs, but then suddenly that that was gone as well. And I remember going to the recording studios when they recorded Recurring Dreams and. We went down there and saw him for a weekend, and that was fantastic. Mm. And and I loved I loved all that when he was down there, and I was in London as well. Um, then there was how we live, and I remember him saying, I think that the, he did this album, and he was so proud of it, and he thought it was the best thing he'd ever done. Mm. And then when he went and delivered it to the record company mm. or whoever it was, and they mm. they just didn't like it. Mm. And it was a fantastic album. It, it was. It's, mm. it, it's, I, I think it's still a fantastic album. Mm. And, yeah. and some of the songs on there were just fabulous. Mm. And I can remember, um, I, I can't remember if I'd come down to see you or I'd gone down to London. Oh, it wasn't. I'd come down to London for a weekend with one of my friends. And I can remember going in Topshop on Oxford Street. Mm. And... <laughs> yes. Oh, I know. <laughs> and one of the tracks was playing in Topshop, and I nearly fainted. I thought, mm. "What's this?" And you know, when you think, mm. "Oh no, this song." <laughs> I went, "Oh my god, it's 
that's Steve. And I was just, I thought, that's it. He's made it. If he's being played mm. in Topshop on mm. Oxford Street, that's it. The, you know, it's got to be going somewhere. Was that back in the day when they, was it Topshop that had the, the DJ in the store? Yes. Yes. Mm. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And I thought, well, if, you know, if somebody's playing this in a, in a big shop on Oxford Street, that's got to be going somewhere. Mm. And and I just thought, wow, he's done it. You know, it was... Mm. But I don't know, I don't know. And we couldn't believe it, could we, when it when it just didn't happen? Because it was... They were so good. They yeah. were just brilliant. You know, and they'd been on the old grey whistle test and they'd done the tube and, and all of these sort of... Seminal programmes, yeah, really. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, mm. at the time. So they were out there, you know, and they'd got a following. But so for it not to work, it was just... Unbelievable. So I, you know, I, I very much understand how disappointed they must have been. Because mm. I yeah. suppose when you've produced something like that, you know, and it doesn't go anywhere, it's it's just such a waste, isn't it? Mm. It's time. Mm. It's it, it, you know, because your heart and soul's in it, isn't it? When you're writing music, so I, I, it, it's not. It's not just oh well, never mind. It's it's a part of you, isn't it? That's sort of. You've got to leave, and yeah, and then somebody rubbishes something that you've you've worked so, so hard, hard for and yeah. that you're so very proud of, and yeah. then somebody tells you that they don't think it's good enough. Mm. And, and you can so, only listen to that for so long without starting to believe yeah. it, can't you? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think the other thing as well is, I mean, I've got quite a lot of albums that I've picked up. So you'll go to a show and you'll see a band that's supported, and you really like the support band, and you end up buying the CD. So you mm. buy the CD, and then you come to really, really like the CD. I've got a, 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 a um, there's a band called Picture House. I sort of supporting somebody. I bought there. Thought that was great. A band called Sunhouse. Same thought. Same sort of thing. And then they don't go anywhere, mm. and you think, well, that's an incredible. That it's just a great album. Mm. It's yeah. just literally. A, it's just fate that is really because there's nothing yeah. wrong with the product. No. They, they they should have been massive because because mm. that's what they produced. Yeah. And it's exactly the same with you know with particularly with the How We Live album because yeah. it's just so well put together. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Brilliant you know. album. But the other thing that was going on as well at the time, because I was starting to think, well, what, you know, why does everything seem so disjointed? Why can't I remember it all? Mm. But at that time, Sue had just had Sophie. Yes. Mm. So he'd also got a family to support. Mm. Yes. And so that, that was the other thing. It wasn't just about him and being yeah. able to... You know, sleep under a bridge well, she, somewhere she'd while not, he was No, still... she'd not had Selfie. She was she'd doing that. We'd all, we'd all gone on holiday. I can remember this because we'd we'd had um, a family holiday. So Sue didn't come. I was um, married, and my eldest daughter was only about eighteen months old. And we'd had this holiday book with my mum and dad to go to Mallorca. I think it was. And Steve and Sue decided to come with us because right. he was like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing, you know, and, and all of that. I think the angst and the... And Sue said, look, you know, we're going to come with you. So I said, oh, brilliant. So off we all went to this this, this holiday in Mallorca. And I can remember him, this, this furrowed brow and this, you know... And at the time, I think, he'd, he'd had the offer from... Marillion, mm. or, or or somebody had said, you know, Marillion need a lead singer. We we need you to think about about it. But he didn't tell us who it was. He said, "I've had an offer from a band, but I'm I can't. I'm not going to tell you who it is because I might not do it." Mm. Um, and I can remember this, this entire week. It was just like 
His head was somewhere else, you know, he'd, he'd take um, Amy off in the pushchair and I'm just, can I take her for a walk? Yes, yes, obviously you can, you're so off, so off this child. Because any parent will tell yeah, you a well. young child, of course you can, have them, <laughs> yeah, have them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you won't Here's leave she'll be fine. You're yeah. not going to leave her in a bar or anything, are you? No, 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 I'm not. Just remember you've got her, yes. So, uh, yeah, that was a strange week. So that's, that was at that time that it was mm. all it was all going on and Sue wasn't very well. Uh, on the holiday, she was feeling really, really ill, and it wasn't until they got back that it, she yeah. was in early pregnancy, and that's that's why she was feeling ill. So, so we so that in, that impounded on the decision because yeah. he knew, bloody hell, you know, I need to get my acting gear here because it's not just us anymore. It's yeah, and it, that's a big thing, isn't it, when you when you're having a baby and bringing mm. someone else into the world, you've. You have over. to be responsible. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's it. Game yeah. over. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, bless him. Mm. But I can remember it, it was just so awful because we, we knew, you know, from watching him for years and years and years and how much talent he'd got and how badly he wanted music as a career mm. and how hard he'd worked. Mm. And it was just heartbreaking, wasn't it? Mm. To, to hear his that. That's it. I can't, you know, can't do it. I can't do it. And I knew he was thinking about being a milkman or a, a postman. postman. Mm. It, it sort of said all this, and I was like, oh, what? But then he was getting people sort of tugging, mm. tugging back at him. Did yeah. He, did he do something with Julian Cope? Or? Yeah, he did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there were still people, you know, telling him that, mm. it, it, you know, he, he shouldn't just throw it all away, but. Mm. You need something more than that, don't you, when you've got mm. a baby on the yeah, way? Yeah, you've got to put food on your table and come mm. so. And did you two have a... When you found out who the band was, did you two have a... Because, I mean, you 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 lived through the... You know, you lived through Kaylee and Lavender and all that, you oh, know, that yes. stuff. I mean, you couldn't escape Kaylee no. that summer. No. I mean, you literally, you know, it was no. being played everywhere. So you must have had a, mm. you know, a view on the band, even if it wasn't your... yeah. I would have to guess it wasn't naturally where you two sat, music-wise. No, no, not particularly. Although we'd sort of... I think growing up with Steve, his musical tastes had rubbed off on us quite yes. a bit. Yes, very I mean, proggy. We, I can mm. remember us all sitting, you know, in the garden in endless sort of sunny days, and that's how you picture it, isn't it, when you look back? But listening to... It's in the garden, oh, in the garden. Yeah, all right, he's mentioned that. Mm. Um, <laughs> he was with me, I'd just like to point out, in, in, in all of this. So we'd sit in the garden and he, he had one of these little cassette players, these little, um, you know, mobile A little battery. Bush. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it was. was it, it was a Sony. Was, was it? it a Sony? Mm. Of course it was. And he'd uh, it, it, it put all the batteries in it, you know, 20 batteries or however many... <laughs> It took for an hour's play, and he'd bring it out into the garden, and we'd be sat, and we'd be listening to that Focus and Yes mm. and um, Genesis, Genesis and yeah, Caravan Fox and Trump, all of these. Yeah, so we were sort of introduced to all, all of mm. this different music, having been at school, and it was all Blooming Osmonds and Bay mm. City Rollers mm. and all that. So um, we were sort of swayed in a different direction. So we weren't strangers to prog rock, mm -hmm. were we? But um, no, I can't say it. Marillion were one of the bands that I knew 
well. Intimately. No. 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 So it was a bit of a, it was almost like a, oh. You know, when he Mm. said it's Marillion, eventually it's Marillion, we were, oh. (laughs) Like that. (laughs) So it wasn't a, oh my God, how exciting it was. It just sort of, oh, Mm. that's interesting. You know, because, and I think that's possibly how he looked at it first off, because... Well, I don't know. You'd have to sort of ask him, but I don't think it was something that he thought, oh, my God, this is the best thing ever. Mm. And it probably wasn't not until, the... he, until he met them all. Yeah, oh, yeah, they're all, I mean, they're lovely, aren't they? They, yeah. they are yeah, just they are. lovely and, and just so friendly and... Yeah, and, just, o- and just all lovely. of them, every, everybody, every single one of them mm. connected, the whole family, yeah. not just the band. And, and it is yeah. a family. It's we've like about Lucy this, and Stephanie yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. and Phil Brown, I've got oh, such a soft spot God, he's hilarious, isn't he? He's just so funny. I'll never forget when he fell through the, fell off the edge of that oh, stage at the last... Um, Oh God! Oh, at the convention, we were both we were both watching, and he just disappeared, didn't he? We were stood, weren't we? On the, and on we a looked at each other, platform. and I just said, "Oh Jesus. No, it's too long. Yeah. It's been too long." And so we legged it we round legged the it. side. Yeah. And by the time we got round there to him, Phil Brown was already there. Yeah. And how on earth he'd got from mm. where he was at yeah. the back mm. to, to there? Mm. To there, I've I've no idea. I no. think Phil's got superpowers. Oh, I've always thought so. I, I think blank. so. Mm. Yeah, yeah, he mm. is, and he looks after him. And I mm. have to say, because he's such an enormous, <laughs> you wouldn't mess with no, him, you would you? Oh, no. And I think that's just the sort of person he needs looking after. Mm. <laughs> If only you were here 30 years ago. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. if only you'd been in town waiting for the more ends bus. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, he might have been the one doing the thumping, to be fair. Yeah, that's very true. He does, yeah. 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 We'll not get too close to that. Because, I mean, the other thing is, when it started, it it started at a pace, didn't it? I mean, there wasn't any messing about. No. I mean, that first particular... I mean, we've talked about it on the... On the two or three podcasts, you know, mm. recently, that first year was really, really full, full on. on. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. There was no; it was dropped, dropped straight in. You know, hit the ground running. Yeah, um, yeah. So it was a bit weird because he'd gone from this sort of struggle and all this indecision and and angst, and mm. and then suddenly it was bang in this big band, and um, yeah, really weird. And seeing him on TV and, mm. and stuff, you know, the when they released Hooks in You, which was his first um, sort of single, yeah, um, mm-hmm. it was played to death on yeah. the telly. And I can remember sitting at my mum's and all the kids going, that's your Uncle Steve. And they're all like... Is what? it? <laughs> Do you remember Mommy. when he he did breakfast telly, didn't he, with Lorraine Kelly when he'd got those? Remember the gloves? Oh, the gloves. Yeah. Did, 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 yeah. and, and all of that. And he was on breakfast telly at the same time as Jason Donovan, I think. Yes. And all Amy was interested in was whether or not he'd seen Scott. Yes. Will he have met Scott? <laughs> did he meet Scott? Exclusive <laughs> <laughs> <Scott>. neighbours. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. yeah. Mm. That was it. He'd made it then because mm. he'd met uh, somebody off Neighbours. <laughs> and yeah. did so, we, you know, it starts off, he's in the band, it's full on from the word go. Um, yeah. Did it 
did you lose? I mean, I don't mean this in the way it might sound, but did you mm. lose touch with him for a while? Did he just was he just so all yeah, over yeah. the place that he was just yeah. like he yeah. was everywhere and nowhere. Yeah, mm. he was. You know, he he was all over the place, but yeah. we didn't see him. No, and or know where he was. We'd get postcards in the yeah. day. He used to love sending postcards, mm. and we'd I, I can remember getting lots of postcards. I still got one upstairs from Japan. From you know places that. <laughs> I'd never even heard mm. of, never mind visited, you know, and, and uh, oh, just sitting, you know, in this cafe overlooking, I don't know, bloody yeah. birds of wilderbeast. Hanging <laughs> 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 oh, gardens above them. Oh, it's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Stick it on the fridge. That's about being fridge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was, I mean, it was just living, living the dream, really. Yeah. You say that. And it, it's one of the things that I've, from listening to the podcasts, it felt from our side mm. that he was living the dream mm. and that everything was just marvellous mm. for him. And mm. I don't think anybody realised just how difficult, mm. it, just how torn he must have been. Yeah. Because he'd, he'd got a wife at home with a new yeah. baby and yeah. he's off all over the place yeah. here, there and everywhere. And that... That must have troubled him terribly. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Well, it, well, we know it did, yeah. don't, didn't we? Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. Even though we didn't know at the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. it's hardly surprising he used to get a bit tetchy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he used to see him. But, but because of that, we saw a lot more of Sophie and Niall because mm. yes, Sue did. was on her own mm. so much and she... I can't even remember. Did she go back to work? Did she? Did, was she, did she didn't? Did she? No. She didn't go back to work. She was no. a teacher before she had Sophie, but then obviously mm. couldn't go back to work because of Steve's mm. uh, commitments with the band. But so she'd come up to Doncaster, and my mum and dad lived in a quite a big bungalow at the time. So she used to, you know, they used to have their own room, didn't they? Mm. And and so she'd come up for sometimes weeks at a time. Mm. Mm. So we. It was lovely because the kids just mm. played yeah. and, you know, we all went out together and, mm. and oh, days to at the seaside. And, and we'd moved back up as well by then. Yeah, so. yeah. So it was lovely. And mm. even now, as cousins, they're, they're very, very close. Mm. Mm. And, and it's just that they have the best relationship, all of them, which is mm. fantastic. And when we get all get together at the conventions, it's just, it's just fabulous, isn't mm. it? Um, well, even even on a Sunday night, even with people dipping in and mm, out of the quiz, mm, uh, and I know your your daughters haven't been on there, but mm, obviously your boys have been on. Yeah. You, you can just tell. Yeah, it's really it's a really special you know connection. Yeah. We're very tight. Aren't yeah. we? all, all we're very us. lucky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we are very lucky. We've we've Privileged. always been close. But you know, credit to me, mum and dad, I think for that because they, you know, family to them was the thing. That's it. Yeah, mm. you you don't, you know, you, you you stay like this. This this doesn't ever stop. My mum was an only child, and um, she used to tell stories, didn't she, of, of feeling yeah. really quite lonely as a child. And so she instilled this, you know, this family value into us, which um, which I, I still believe in, you know. And I, I've brought my girls up the same. Mm. It's always nice to know that. If your kids won't always come to you if they're in trouble, and mm. so it's always nice to know that if they won't come to you, there is somebody so there yes, that they will yeah. go to, mm. and that's what we've always had, isn't it? Yeah, you know, whenever 
whenever I was sort of tearing away and things like that, the mm. first place my mother used to come was you, wasn't it? Because oh, wow, she yeah. always used to know yeah. that Jill had know where I was, even yeah. if she didn't know. <laughs> Jill always knew. <laughs> yeah, she did. You're, you're the character in the story, there's going to be a spin-off, aren't you? You're, you're, oh, you're, 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 you're the Fraser in Cheers, aren't you? Or yeah, the Jerry yeah. in Friends. Yeah, uh, yeah, she is, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's obvious, This is it's coming, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I'm sure I don't know what you mean. Yeah, of yeah. Course, yeah, I can, I can tell. Yeah. I can tell you think that. Yeah, those dreadful words. I used to pick the phone up, and it was my mother. Where's our soul? Oh God. God! Oh God! I know, I know where yeah. she is, but I can't tell. I can't you. tell you. What am I going to say? Oh my God! It, oh. Oh. So, uh, through the through mm. the time with the band, mm. then, mm. Um, because it won't have all been the same. You know, he will have been a different person at different points in because it's because mm. it's you know it's been thirty years and it's been mm. a yeah. it's been a fair journey. I mean, I mean, you get the kind of full on rock and roll lifestyle right at the beginning when the when it's EMI and when it's the first couple of albums and it's mm. big, you know, and then we've gone through various kind of incarnations at different points in time with different labels and then them taking charge of their own sort of affairs. Was that obvious to the two of you? Did you live? Have you lived some of this as well, or uh, or was or was it never really been something that's talked about? Because because you mentioned the conventions as well. Because you you you're involved in this. You're part of this yeah. as well, aren't you? We love the conventions. Oh God, we the, conventions love the conventions are fabulous. Is that the conventions, or is that just a piss up? Um, it's not. <laughs> it's not just a piss up. No, but it's a bit. It's heavy. You know, like when you have a close family and you always think how marvellous it would be to go and rent a country house for Christmas or yes. something like that yes. so yes. that you can all be together. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's like, it's like that. that yeah. But without the needing for all the fallings out because you're not all under the same roof. Right. No. Mm. You know, mm. and, and we yeah. can we can get together without I yeah. don't know, it's just it's just lovely. It's it's not it possible is. for us all to get together. We manage it about once a year, yeah. don't we? Mm. Yeah, we try and organise one day to year. Yeah. It's usually February when nobody's yeah. doing anything yeah. else because the weather's so bad. Yeah. And we there's a, a place just outside of Doncaster um that can accommodate us all, right. uh, and we tend to book that, don't we? And yeah, we, it's about we, 28 we of us, I think. Yeah, it, it grows every year, <laughs> because, you know, obviously with extra yeah. partners and extra babies yeah. and this, that and the other. So uh, we order food in advance, don't we? And mm. that's a, like a, oh, God, it's like yeah. a military operation, getting all that organised. But, but, yeah, so everybody meets there, mm-hmm. and then... We decide who's stopping over in whose houses, and we allocate everybody a bed, you yeah. know. And, and, right. and we, we manage to get one weekend a year, don't yeah, we? yeah. Mm. Unless there's a convention, but then of course the convention can't accommodate all the children and no, everything no. else. Yeah. So, mm. but yeah, we we do try and get together, and then I'll pile back to mm. whoever's house will accommodate, mm. you know, depending on the weather. Um, mm. But we do. We it's just important, I think, isn't yeah. it? And it, it it's. Um, and they all get on and they all mm. miss each other desperately and, and it's just like, you know, the, the mm. noise is terrible because everybody's talking at the same time. and yeah. So you don't really get to talk to one person for a long, a long enough time mm. to know exactly what, you know, what's been going on or whatever because, you, you, you know, there's 20-odd mm. of us so, and there's lots of little kids, you know, mm. that are running off and falling down. And, yeah. But, but in answer to the question at the beginning... Yeah. <laughs> 
she's got us organised. About how things have changed and how it's morphed from oh, yeah, one thing yes, to another. Um, there's definitely been a change in in him. Yeah, everything oh God, was yeah. always very intense when oh, it was all yeah. very at, the, at the beginning. Yeah, and he did take himself terribly seriously. Hmm. Um, which he, I suppose, which he, he had to. He, he'd, yeah. he'd been thrown into this, you know, big, famous band, and he had, hmm. you know, with, with very much, I think. Um, he had to justify his position because mm-hmm. he knew Big that those fans, it, literally in every sense. Yeah, in every sense, yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> this six foot odd fella yeah. to this tiny little yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, Very small. Small, yeah. yeah. girly little man. Um, so he'd got a lot to sort of not prove, but but I think to prove to himself mm. that that he was he, he was worthy of that. Yeah. And I think there might have been a bit of imposter syndrome going on in mm. there. Well, and, it and sounds he... like he was waiting ten years to take himself very seriously. And, and, and you know, yeah. there's, there's, there were two or three times when it was nearly there. Yes, we're nearly there. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. Because so... it is a state of mind to be a, particularly if you're a frontman. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and the the pressure I think must have been absolutely immense because not only was he the frontman as you say, but he'd he'd got all of that surrounding him as mm. well and what the fans were going to think about yeah. him and, yeah, and they, the born, you know, so. a lot of them didn't want Fish to, to that was it, you know, a lot mm. of I did, they did lose a lot of fans I think and um, that's fine, so he'd, he'd got to bring these people round, mm. you know, mm. and it was it was a big, a big job he'd got really. And all credit to the fans that they, that they at least thought well, we'll go and have a look. Yeah, yeah. see what he's got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. he's a nice, he's a nice man. I mean, I know we say that <coughs> we're because biased. we're his sister, obviously sisters. But you know, he's he's got that sort of. Um, he cares. That aura, yeah. Mm. He's it, you. You sort of see see what you get. You know, mm. he's not. He's not. He is who he is. And, yeah. Um, he doesn't sort of pretend to be anything he's not, apart from a graphic designer. <laughs> 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 yes, yes, we have to respond that. <laughs> but I think when it... I was astonished as the yeah. next man, but yeah. Oh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he looked at the job description and just yeah. thought, nah, I'll do that. It's just sticking letters <laughs> on a piece of card. What can go wrong? Yeah. Hmm. So, so he's, yeah, he's likable and he's affable and he's. Yeah, you'd find it hard to dislike him, I think. And he's yeah. honest. So, yeah. yeah, he is. He is, he is this, honest. Yeah. You know, to Sometimes a, too honest. Yes, but to he a is fault. honest. <laughs> but yeah, it must have been. It must have been a huge pressure mm. for him. Mm. And, it, and and I think that must continue as well. I mean, he's he's mellowed so much over the years, and, yeah. and I think particularly now that. All he has to worry about now, because they've got the thing where they're sort of self-managed and yeah. they're not answerable to anybody yeah. anymore, the, he still has a very strong, <laughs> I was going to say a strong work ethic, even though, like, mm. you know, it's not a proper job, well, is it? But mm. he, he still he still cares. He's, he's still got the drive to be able to do yeah, it because he, he cares about yes, producing does. something yeah. to justify the amount of faith that people have got in him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but... Without the added pressure of thinking that there's some blokes in suits who are only cared yeah. about, who are only bothered about yeah. making the money, yeah. Yeah. who 
who change their mind from one day to the next about whether or not they think they're going to like something yeah. depending on how much money it's going to earn them. So, so he, that lifted a lot of the pressure yes. off him, yeah, I think. Yeah, very didn't much it? so, yeah. And yeah. he's now so much more mellow than he was before. Yeah. And now he can laugh and at happier. himself. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. yeah. Well, and, and to be fair, I mean, he's been very generous because in reality, I've. I've been taking the piss out of him for 50 episodes now. <laughs> not, not. We've been doing it for 50 well, years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, 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 I feel like I'm doing some of it on your behalf, if I'm being honest. But, um, but, but the point being, you know, he, he knows that. He know, he, I mean, there's a gentle yeah. ribbing that runs through this, and, yeah. I, and I think it's a, it's a little bit like. Um, did you watch? Did you watch the trip with? Uh, yeah. And yes. where, where they play their own characters up just yeah. slightly. And there's yeah. a little bit... It's not that we're playing up the character mm, in this at no. all, but the point is you couldn't do Corona Diaries if he was really serious and really... If he had not mellowed, no. then this just yeah. wouldn't have happened. No, no, no. Um, no. You know, uh, I mean, he has to be able to laugh mm. at himself a little bit mm. and let me occasionally just, you know... Mm. Not... Because, it's not, let's face it, it's an absurd job. Oh, it is, yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. oh it's a ridiculous job. Yeah, it, mm. it is. Yeah. And and I think now he sort of realises that he, mm. he took it so. I mean, he had to take it seriously. He really did. But I th- I think we lost him a little bit, didn't we? Because he wasn't the Steve that no. we'd known all that time. He he and he sort of had to shift all of that. Mm. Or he, I don't know. Or he might have just sunk. It might have just been too hard. But um, but we yeah he was possibly overwhelmed by it all yeah without actually realising mm. I don't think mm. and he'd got the, as Sue says he's got the, he'd got the added pressure of Sophie and Niall being mm. you know there so he'd got all this responsibility at home he was aware that it was a job that would take him away for a long time mm. you know and he'd miss such a lot and he'd worked so hard for it but then he was getting all the everything he wanted where while Sue was at home with the kids mm. and she'd stop yeah, working so so it was very much a sort of role reversal because because mm. Sue had, had worked really while he was trying to, to to make it in the earlier days so it's yeah I think he all of that played so much on his mind as well so he'd got quite a lot on at mm. the time and then he'd come home of course and and because she'd been managing on her own for so long, you know, he'd, he'd come home and then he'd be plumbing sinks, yeah, <laughs> fixing showers, yeah, <laughs> come home to a list of jobs that yeah. he needed doing, you know, and he just stepped out of a, you know, a, but but yeah, where somebody's carrying him round on a cushion, <laughs> yeah, and then suddenly he's like, right, that's he's toilet's just, blocked, yeah. go and sort that somebody out. Somebody just picks him up and takes him to where he needs to be, you yeah. know, and he's in all these lovely hotels and he doesn't have to lift a finger and then. She He's straight back with his hand down the toilet, you know. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so just to wrap up then, because we've we've done it again. We've we've, we've banged so on. Halfway. I know, I know. To say you two were nervous before we start. <laughs> so go on then. One word. One word. Your oh, brother Lord. in one word. Oh Lord. Mm. Oh. Only one. Oh, I think you're overthinking it. Mm. One word. Adorable. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say loved, and mm. it works both ways because he's mm. yeah, we he's he's just brilliant, isn't he? Yeah, and um, yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> you weren't both supposed to cry at that point. I know, I am getting tearful now. Oh, dear, oh, dear. It's good job. Oh, good it's job. pathetic. Oh, good I job say. we're not on film. Oh, oh, God, it really is. Oh, Oh. Well, that's all three of you now, because he cried on one of the podcasts as well, so that's all, three, that's all three of you <laughs> so Probably not about us, though. No, no it wasn't, to be fair. <laughs> Chuff. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you who live outside of Yorkshire, I'll, I'll, I'll put a note for what Chuff means on the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on, on the notes well it's been an absolute treat thank you both of you what a pleasure uh, it's been really really great and <laughs> we will we will now hear from your brother because he's going to be doing a diary reading so we'll uh, we'll see what's what's coming up with a bit of diary uh, and I'll, I'll regroup and chat to him at the end Sunday, 10th and Monday, 11th of July. Home, Japan. Got up around 7.30 thinking I was the first up. I wasn't. Mum was in the kitchen offering to make me a coffee and Dad was in the downstairs bathroom shaving. I had allowed myself two hours to shower, get ready and pack. It was, for once, almost exactly right. I was ready to leave at 9.30 on the dot when the car arrived. Said goodbyes to Sophie and Niall. Sophie always takes it well, but I'm usually a little nervous as to how Niall will react. Today, he was seemingly unbothered. He didn't get up until 9.20 and wasn't awake enough to give much thought to my departure. We drove to the racket club to pick up Mike Hunter, who no longer looks like General Custer but is now clean-shaven, short-haired and not unlike Chris Kimsey in appearance. We were driven to Heathrow Terminal 4 and as I checked in, I learned from Nick B that Mark Kelly was missing and last seen in Terminal 3. Claimed my boarding pass and went through to passport control. Nick had given me Ian's symbols and as they came out of the X-ray machine, a man who looked a lot like OJ Simpson asked me who the band was. He naturally assumed I was the drummer, and when I said Marillion, he asked me what I thought of the new singer. I said, he's not as good as the old one. No, I don't think so either, he said. I bought some talc in Duty Free and joined Priv Allen, Ian and new guitar tech Phil in the bar for a Sunday lunchtime drink. The flight wasn't as long as I'd feared, but nonetheless long at 11 and a half hours. Mike Hunter gave me a sleeping pill, which did absolutely nothing to me, so I remained awake the whole flight, which I knew was not the best thing to do as we were to arrive in Tokyo at 8.30am Japanese time. And so I had the whole day to get through. The, quote, 90-minute, unquote, drive from the airport to the hotel was an optimistic estimate. The traffic in Tokyo defies description and it was to be midday by the time our minibus arrived at the Roppongi Prince Hotel. My room was surprisingly large, comparable in size to European ones, considering Japan's reputation for tiny hotel rooms. I hit the bed running and would have slept all day if the phone hadn't rang at two to summon me downstairs. It had been arranged for us to do a video ID, hello, we're Marillion, blah, blah, etc., for Masa Ito, the DJ who was responsible for our recent success here. 
After two hours sleep, I felt like death on legs and we were doing it in the searing heat of the street. So I wasn't my scintillating best. I hope I don't look too disinterested on the telly. Had a couple of coffees in the hotel cafe with Steve and started to feel human again. Went out with Steve and Nick for a wander and a spot of lunch. It would have been breakfast in England, but it was tea time in Japan. We wandered along a street dwarfed by a concrete flyover which ran parallel to and above us. Amid the occasional aromas of drains and sewage, past various shops and noodle houses. There seems to be a prevalence of shops that sell mirrors and light fittings in the Rapongi district. I admired Tiffany lamps, reeling at the price tags of 200,000 yen, well over a thousand pounds. We eventually found a noodle house with pictures outside. When the menus are in Japanese and the locals speak almost no English, you need pictures to point at. And I pointed at something someone was eating and said, one of those... Even the Japanese seem unable to eat noodles gracefully, so I need hardly describe the embarrassed slurping, dangling and dribbling which ensued. Fortunately, I was wearing a patterned shirt. We passed a bar advertising happy hour and went inside and downstairs to discover we'd stumbled upon Rapongi's only rock club. Pips. Full of snapshots of well-stewed musicians posing with the bar staff. The place was empty, it was six o'clock, so we had a beer while enduring a CD of a Led Zeppelin cover band, which eventually drove us back out onto the street. Steve went back to the hotel, while Nick and I went off in search of the local Shinto temple. We stumbled upon a graveyard, where many people seemed to have been buried in a very small area of ground. I wonder if they bury them standing up. I was later to discover that people are cremated. Every grave had a little built-in flower vase, some of which were tendered, and large wooden tags like giant lollipop sticks, carrying calligraphic messages to wish good fortunes to the dead, no doubt. On the way out of the burial place, we passed a stone Buddha, wearing a red beret and scarf. It seemed somewhat bizarre, but I was later to regret being amused. I learnt from our local guide, Katsu, that the red accessories represent the bib and cap of a baby and that this would have been a monument to the death of a baby. The temple shrines all seem to have a bell, like a giant sleigh bell, immediately outside the inner altar. Perhaps its purpose is to draw Buddha's attention to the incoming devotee, a sort of telephone bell for God. Or maybe it's to ward off evil spirits. Nick returned to the hotel while I continued wandering around this hectic, polluted and peculiar place. I found a couple of brass-handled mirrors and bought them for the show. We'd been trying to get hold of one in England without much success. They cost a fortune. I went and had a beer in a street-side cafe and watched the Japanese making their way home from work. All the men wear suits and ties even when they're relaxing. Maybe they all simply work late and go out straight from work. Every now and then a woman would go by wearing traditional clothes, silk kimono, the little cushion thing in the small of the back, and all the trimmings. A strange juxtaposition of the beauty of the ancient 
and the ugliness of modern urban life all around them. I felt grateful to them. It's a lovely sight, and I suspect they must go to a lot of time and trouble to dress so immaculately. I was whacked hard in the face by some enormous flying bug, which didn't even slow down after the collision. Returned to the hotel to unpack and shower. Later went out and drank too much in the hope of being able to sleep. It seemed to work. I got to bed around one and slept until seven. Tuesday, 12th of July, Tokyo, Osaka, day off. I woke feeling very thirsty. It must be the air conditioning. I decided to go down to the cafe to get a glass of water and when I got down there, they had breakfast already set out. So I sat down and ate cornflakes in preference to the Japanese items on offer. I didn't feel much like a poached egg floating in brown liquid. Outside the window was the swimming pool area, in the centre of which stood a single tree. I was amazed to witness a team of Japanese gardeners doing something I had never seen before. With the help of a bamboo ladder, one climbed to the highest branches and jumped around, shaking the dead leaves out of the tree. No branch was left unshaken. At the same time, other members of the team were pruning any dead wood from the ends and sweeping the fallen leaves into bags to be taken away. This was all going on around 7.15am to prepare the pool area for the day and ensure that no leaves should fall into the pool. I wonder if they do this every morning. They were wearing black canvas shoes with split toes to divide the toes into two sections. Around 7.30, Ian appeared. He couldn't sleep either, as usual. He's a confirmed insomniac. So we chatted over the remains of breakfast until, at eight, I was overtaken by a major slump and had to go back to bed. I slept until 12 when I was called to prepare for the bullet train journey to Osaka. We'd already had the pep talk about punctuality. Being late is seen here as an insult on a par with multiple murder and should be avoided at all costs. Promoter's rep Katsu arrived at one o'clock and band and crew were taken in a minibus to Tokyo Station where we were shown to our reserved seats on the train. The carriages are spacious and clean and fitted with wide aircraft seats which turn through 180 degrees so you can face the direction of travel if you choose. During the journey, stewardesses periodically pass through offering drinks, food or ice cream. There is also a restaurant car with large picture windows to give diners a better view of the scenery, which, although for the most part consists of more of the same model of concrete blocks, occasionally offers glimpses of tea terraces, like immaculately tended hedgerows striping along the hillsides, and rice paddies, like fields of rich, vibrant green feathers. I was told there was a slim chance of a view of Mount Fuji as we entered Osaka, but to my disappointment, it was not a clear enough day. We arrived on time to the second at Osaka and took cabs to the Grand Hotel, where our room keys were already waiting. My room reminded me of the Mayflower in New York. I helped myself to a can of iced coffee from the minibar. 
They sell this stuff in vending machines in the streets here. It's good, but like everything else, terribly expensive. Typically four or five hundred yen, around three pounds fifty. Relaxed for a while, went out trying to find postcards and failed, which meant paying hotel prices for the ones on sale in the lobby. In the evening, we were taken out to dinner by Katsu to a traditional Japanese restaurant. We walked through the busy streets of blazing neon, teeming with people and hot and humid despite the hour. The restaurant was situated in what Katsu called the restaurant area, which reminded me of the covered market in Liverpool. Past alleyways of amusement arcades, karaoke bars, shops and restaurants while Katsu tried to find the place. He's from Tokyo and doesn't know Osaka too well. He eventually waved us into a restaurant, where we were ushered upstairs and obliged to remove our boots, which were placed in wooden lockers before we sat down at a long, low wooden table, surrounded by a lower shelf on which to sit. The food here was an education, Large bowls of chopped vegetables and thinly sliced raw beef were tossed into bowls of boiling oil in the centre of the table to deep fry and be plucked out with chopsticks. I tried everything that arrived, but I had to decline the fish head which Katsu tucked into while telling us that the head is the best part of the fish. At ten o'clock I returned to the hotel where Shun from EMI was waiting to take me to Radio FM 102 for a live interview on Masaito's rock show. It went well. He seemed pleased to see me again. We met in London earlier this year. Afterwards, Shun and I returned to the hotel and had a beer in the bar. He's a nice chap, and somehow bears an uncanny resemblance to my father-in-law, who isn't at all Japanese. The band seemed to have gone missing, so I went to bed, and amazingly slept until the following afternoon. And we're back. Um, and uh, the, these these little and we're backs are strange because technically we haven't done anything yet. Um, this is the first part of 51 for us, but we are back and we've had Dari and you've been in Japan. We, I have. And we are. We're yeah, often back. We're often back. That's yes. in. Uh, that's a place in Germany. Played there. Of, yeah. Often back. Yeah. That would make a good T-shirt. We're often back in often back. Yeah. Yeah. So um, before we get on to your sisters, I'm going to have to mention the one thing in the diary. There are a few things in the diary I could have mentioned, but the one thing was the was you taking the. Taking the symbols through security at Heathrow. Oh yeah, and that, yes, and the man. Yeah, yeah. Ian had said, "Would you? Would you?" I don't know. I'd ended up with his symbols. Well, they are heavy, and he, he obviously couldn't be asked carrying them. So he. he and you pers- do work for him. <laughs> I do. We all work for him. We all work so for him. So he asked me if I'd take him through, and I said, "Of course, Your Highness." And uh, I took his symbols through the security. And so, of course, the bloke running the machine uh, naturally assumed I was the drummer. And it said Marillion on the case. And he went, oh, you're the drummer? I went, yeah. Uh, and he, he said, Marillion? I went, yeah. He said, 
when they got a new singer, I went, yeah. He said, what do you think of him? I went, not as good as the old one. And he looked at me and went, no, I didn't think so either. <laughs> I just... I just think that's brilliant. I just, I not because it's not. I mean, in hindsight, but you're so quick in the moment. I went, love it. I'm loving your work. <laughs> so I picked my symbols up and on I trodled through. I, I, uh, <laughs> did I say trodled? I might have just did, invented a new you, word. You did I say trodled. I trodled through the duty free. So here's a question then: Why does he take his symbols with him? Oh, it's a drummer thing. It's a drummer. You would, you see, to to mere us mere mortals, we just think symbols go tish or crash, or in the case of um, Chinese symbols that drummers particularly love, they go. <laughs> it's the most unpleasant and unmusical sound known to man, and it, slightly less appealing than a fire extinguisher. <laughs> But drummers love them. I bloody hate them. Right. Anyway, uh, if you're a drummer, um, the exact timbre of your cymbals are, you know, mean the world to you. Uh, and Mosley's no exception. And I, you have to be a drummer to understand it. I mean, I can right. understand people want to take their pedals because they've got a feel and they're used to the tension of the springs and all of that. I completely get that. But why you need your own symbols? Seems no. like a right old royal uh, waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> and he must—he's got—he must have half a dozen of them. Do they, do they all go with him? <laughs> they do. He takes his. He usually takes. I mean, if he can't take his entire kit, which he will do, unless he absolutely can't. Uh, obviously, taking an entire drum kit to Japan is mighty expensive, and yeah. uh, who knows what shape up the end at the other end as well but um when you can't he usually insists on taking his cymbals his pedals and a, and his snare snare mm. drums very very important as well mm. but these things are machine made aren't they people don't you know it's not that cymbals are, are hammered out by a some kind of craftsman they are machine made so Surely they all sound the same. No, they? they don't. They all sound right. different. And and what what you might not know about symbols is that they are um, they're turned on a lathe from a solid piece of brass. So if they're if you know that bow shape, yeah, the rest is waste. You know they're hollowed out from underneath and then turn into that shape on the top as well. Right. So they're not hammered into that bowl shape. That's right, it. they laid that right. I didn't know that. Yeah, you take a, a cylinder of brass and you, you know, you know, a bloody great big cylinder of brass and you uh, put it in a lathe and you turn a cymbal. Drummers are shocking for the environment, aren't they? They're shocking. They're shocking wasters of money. <laughs> right. So imagine what it costs to scrap yeah. all that brass as well. Yeah. Oh, I'm mm. looking at drummers, drummers in a whole different light yeah. now. Oh, yes. Yeah, right, okay. Good story, though. Good they line. Do, they take their hardware very seriously. I, I, I bet they do. And then they I hit they it do. really hard with other other pieces <laughs> yeah. of hardware. This, this thing that I've cherished, I'm just about to twat with a piece of wood. <laughs> I'm going to hit this as hard as I possibly can. Yeah, don't, don't get it. Anyway... Back to your sisters. We'll follow mm. up on some of the bits they said because we've done the we've done the fame years. Oh. Um, 
So because uh, hey, you've not heard this yet, have you? You've not heard the the second half. So um, we we talked about we talked about the the uh, the fame years. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first thing that came across, which I don't think we'd really picked up on when we talked about it, was how distraught you were when Harlow split up. And that was that was Sue that said that. Because mm. apparently Sue was living in London at the time. Yeah, I don't, I, maybe I blocked it out a bit, but we kind of we split up because we were put in this really impossible situation where our the van with all the gear in it had broken down. We just got to London. We were young and we didn't know what to do, and it had gone into a pound somewhere in London. And when you're from Yorkshire and you're young and you, your vehicle's gone into a pound in South London, you, you kind of, it's like it's gone into a black hole and you don't know what to do or who to phone. And so we were trying to sort that out and that was all fairly traumatic. And then at some point, um, I mean, Harlow turned into, then turned into the neutrinos, but it was essentially the same people. Mm. So we rebranded ourselves. Start. I started wearing tight um, chef's trousers at that point. Yes. <laughs> Skin-tight chef's trousers, yeah. you know, the black and white ones. Yeah. Because bathrobes were so last year. Post-funk, <laughs> bathrobes were last year. Um, and so um, what happened was, was um, our drummer, Bennis, and our guitar, uh, bass guitarist, uh, Steve Ross, um, was sharing a hell flat in Notting Hill. Um, and it was pretty hellish. Um, but, you know, everybody was skint. And even so, it ended up costing a fortune to, to just rent a hell flat in Notting Hill was quite dear. That was before Notting Hill had been really gentrified. And... Um, they were living together. I was living out in Shepparton with my ex-wife and I think they just decided one day, I think Beneth discovered, he discovered the talking heads. He discovered Psycho Killer by the talking heads and decided that that was cool and that's what we all should be doing. And instead of ringing me up and saying, listen to this, I think it's cool and it's what we should all be doing, he just sort of, they decided they'd get rid of me. I think, <laughs> um, or you, you, you know, they just said we're splitting up, and me, you know, we're going to work together. Just the two of us. Just the two of us. Um, so that was that, and I, but I, if I got upset about it, I don't remember getting upset about it. But but then I don't remember it much. You know, um, yeah. I'm sure I wasn't thrilled to bits, but then um, not too much time passed and I, I I got the offer to work in the Europeans. And so mm. that was exciting, you know, and it was all happening on a slightly better level because they'd got a better van. <laughs> 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 and a better, they'd got a proper PA. They, they were really tooled up. Um and so I just, I guess I must at that stage have just thought onwards and upwards. Mm. I've been an onwards and upwards kind of guy, really, I suppose. Yeah. Over the years. I don't know if that necessarily makes me a nice person. But I, 
you know, I, I always just dealt with the situation I was in. I just dealt with it and, you know, positive things happened to me out of every out of every negative thing, a positive thing has happened to me. Mm. So it's not that I'm particularly strong or stoical. I think things just kept falling into my lap. And the other thing Sue mentioned was um, the the following that the Europeans had. I don't think that really came across um, quite, you know, when we talked about it, quite to the extent because, you know, she said you had a really, really strong you know, local following. And and Jilly talked about... Um, now, she talked about hearing one of the records in Top Shop. I can't remember if it was... Uh, that was the, that was How We Live or whether that was the Europeans. But certainly, you know, both of them, um, the, they talked about how how big in within London Europeans were. Yeah, we did okay. Um Maybe my sisters in Yorkshire perceived us to be bigger than we were, but, you know, we could pull a few hundred people to, to you know, in a club. But we gigged around a lot in London. We played the Marquee Club and the, the all the pub, pub rock places, the Greyhound on Fulham Palace Road and the Half Moon in Hearn Hill. Um, so there was a pretty vibrant pub circuit. Um back then and we were we we were on it and we kept busy and we, we used to play this great pub uh called the ship in maidstone and that was always the best gig ever you know it was always rammed full of people and there was always a great response to it so we, we always used to look forward to to going down there um and there's a, an art college in maidstone so you know, there was lots of kids from the art college used to come over. So we did okay. We did all right, you know. And as mm. I say, we were, Euros was sort of tooled up. And then we mm. got that deal with, with A&M and it was probably the animal song that Jilly heard in Top Shop because that, mm. that did all right. You know, it, it, got, it got Radio 1 airplay. Um, not masses, but it got played on Radio 1. And then, of course, it, it, uh, a radio station in America, in California, called KROQ, they picked up on it. And um, there was a DJ on K-Rock that played the shit out of it. And, and so it became a really kind of cool underground song in California. Mm. The um, They talked a little bit um, about... We talked a little bit about that, the sort of the moment where, you know either postman or milkman duties were beckoning mm. um and and um and it could it could have gone a number of ways because obviously there's the 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 thing was kicking around in the background at the point when the marillion thing came up and uh, jilly mentioned that um you'd gone away on holiday you'd gone away on holiday with her and uh, your mum and dad you'd gone to mallorca i think she said and um and and <laughs> you kept asking if you could borrow amy in the pushchair to take her for long walks because you were at that point you were contemplating I guess she well she she thought you were contemplating the Meridian offer at that point um but whether that was just contemplating what to do next and the two things didn't align yeah I don't I don't no I don't think she's probably got her wires crossed we did we did all go on holiday to Mallorca 
Um, I was probably, I don't know what I was contemplating at that stage, but we we were probably in that difficult period with uh, CBS where we'll either have been in that difficult period where they were asking us to write hits and we couldn't or they didn't think we could or we could have been at the period where CBS had let us go and and Colin and I perhaps were we it could be before we'd got together with um, mismanagement with Dave Marge Jerison with Dave Marge um I, I honestly can't remember but but it wouldn't have been uh when Marillion was in the offing because that all happened very quickly in the January of 89 yeah I'd got no clue about about it until um then because we'd gone up to Yorkshire over Christmas and uh, we were looking around, we were driving up to Derbyshire and looking at cottages. So I was taking it really seriously. I was ready, you know, I'd had enough mm. and I was ready to, to knock it on the head and have a have another go, another life somewhere else. <laughs> the um, the There was a lot of talk about the obviously over the thirty year period that um you know your how not how your relationships change with them but them sort of living a little bit through what was going on because obviously through the period that thirty year period of the band there's been a lot of different things so there's the the EMI years and then there's the other the other label years and there's taking control of your own affairs and all those kind of things um and they they both commented on how much you've mellowed over the years um and i'm not going to say any more than that do you, do you, you don't take yourself quite as seriously as you used to oh isn't that kind of though not to say he was a terrible arsehole um well i think he was implied probably, but yeah but they never came out and said it no, which no, no. is sweet because i was a thing i was i was a real up my own ass sort of character for for a long time and quite, you know, very precious, um, and fu- you know, and I'm, I'm full of myself. Some people are probably still am, <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I've, I've, I'm, I've got better every day in every way. I'm getting better and better, yeah. and um, and I have mellowed a lot. I think you know, well, everyone does that. They do they? Yeah. I mean, most people mellow as they get older because they. I, th- I think you reach an age where your ambition starts to fade because you kind of go, well, this is it. Mm. This is it. You know, I'm too old now to have a number one hit single and be a pop star. So that that driving ambition for those kind of things that you had when you were young you wake up one day and you go, hang on a minute, get real. And even if you're doing well and, you know, we, we, Marillion are doing, doing pretty well, you know, we're, we're, we're in a happy place. Um, we still, I mean, we, I was talking about it today in the studio because we've got this song um, that we're working on um, that, that we were working on. Um, and um, 
I was saying, you know, what's really strong about this is it's got a really accessible lyric and a kind of feel better about yourself lyric, which is not the kind of words we normally have. (laughs) (laughs) And I was saying, um, radio love that, you know, radio love a positive message. They don't like doom and gloom. (laughs) You know, the the I think radio feels that it exists as a, an anaesthetic for the masses. You know, not something to depress them. Um, and and I said, mind you, having said that, you know, even mentioning radio, I was kind of daft because mm. every I'd just forgotten I was sixty five for a minute. There, <laughs> you know, I thought I was thirty five or twenty five. <laughs> So we all had a little giggle and chucked it in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think it's not so much that there's doom and gloom in the lyrics as, as you know, as, as a norm. I think it's doom and gloom in 12-minute in chunks that's probably the problem. Yes, d- doom and gloom with no respite. Yeah. <laughs> Here's doom and gloom for the next hour. <laughs> Well, take it from me. We do occasionally write lighter things and then throw them away. <laughs> throw them away. <laughs> oh, well, I think, do you know what? That's not a bad place to finish um, with that with, with, with that glimpse of, of hope that, that's never going to materialise. Yes, and that, that, aff- that self-affirmation that I was an arsehole for years and years and years, yeah. Yeah, they've been very patient with me, my sisters, over the years, and continue to be. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they they said some really nice things about you, and they both shed a little tear at the end as well. So, bless bless them. So, uh, I don't deserve it. uh, Oh, I think you do. I think you do. Um, So that means that next time we're on fifty two. And we Ooh. said we were going to do something special, didn't we? We did. And try and do a live thing or something. I need to make a phone call. You need to make a phone call. I do. We need to start pulling our finger out because we haven't got long. This will be next week at some point. We've got a week, yes, mm. to um, cobble, cobble something. Cobble something together. Cobble a celebration together. Yes. Okay. Yes, right. I've been a bit tardy. I should have got onto it. I'll, I'll get onto it. Well, let's... let's um, what might be worth doing and we just this won't happen folks but if it turns out because this thing is going to be so brilliant and it's going to be such a such a celebration if it turns out that we take an extra week to do that then that might happen so we put it out now that we want to make it special so we're gonna we're gonna plow ahead and hope that'll be in its normal weekly cycle but what's more important is that 52 is a bit of an event so you might end up missing a week while we put that together but you might not i'm just putting it out there to give give Mr. H just a little bit more wiggle room, a bit of more wiggle time, uh, so he can throw something throw something together. And by the way, actually, thinking of that, what do you think Lucy would think of the idea of a T-shirt that was We All Work For Ian? <laughs> what you ask her? I think I might. <laughs> Apart from the one that she'll have that says, and Ian works for me. And he works for me. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> only be one of those printed. <laughs> That's quite good. 
That'll be the one. That'll be the way of getting it through. Right. Okay. So we'll see you next time. Next time should be next week. But if it turns out to be a little bit longer, that's because fifty two is going to be an event. And um, and I'll leave you to. I'm assuming you've got a studio week planned. Have you? Is it? Are you back in? Yes. Yeah. Back in. I was there there earlier. Uh, in all in all week. In it's all Sophie's week. birthday tomorrow, so uh, ah. I'm going to go and have cake in the morning with Sophie on, on oh, my way down there. Uh, no idea how old she is. <laughs> and you wouldn't say even if you did? <laughs> of course not. Well, I don't know how old I am. <laughs> well, <laughs> now there is that. <laughs> to, to be fair, now that your sisters, they were, they were, they were really, really appalled when you got older. <laughs> Nobody knows. Nobody knows. <laughs> oh, dear. Right, we will see you at 52, folks. I'll see you next time. Toodaloo, everybody. Bye. Back, back soon. Day after day, month after month, year after year, thank you very much. Thank you, Alison Higgins and Kevin Gladark, too. Thank you, Pete Charles and Bridget Williams. Joy to be purple at last. I'm so glad that you did. Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production. <laughs>